For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Hey y'all, this is Josiah Gray, and this is Half Street High Heat. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. What's up, everyone? You're listening to another episode of Half Street High Heat. You guys can follow the show Twitter account on Twitter at Half ST High Heat. Make sure you guys head on over to our website at www.halfsthighheat.com to keep up with all of our latest episodes and articles and more that we're putting out. We have a special show today. Amanda's unable to join us, so we have subbed in best friend of the podcast, Matt Wyrick from NBC Sports Washington, to join in for a special interview you guys can find him on twitter at by matt wyrick and make sure you head on over to nbcsportswashington.com to keep up with all of matt's latest pieces and all news dc sports matt nick how you guys doing today doing well can't complain pretty good these are always my favorite episodes because we get to talk more fantasy football than uh, nats baseball so i uh, should <laughs> should be it's timely too obviously we got draft season right upon us it's really it's in full swing, you could say right now. College yeah, that's football true. starts tomorrow. Damn, that's right. I, I, I can't for, believe that's I, already starting. Holy yeah, crap. forget it's the twenty seventh. <laughs> like it's the last. I feel like there's one more weekend of August, but it's just because of the the preseason football. There's not a preseason week four, so it feels feels weird. And yeah, they got that weird break now. Yeah, which I don't like. Just start right away. Start in August. <laughs> Schools are starting earlier. Why not start football? Screw earlier? the players' health. We need football. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> My entertainment. <laughs> I have money on the line. What do they have on the line? <laughs> I'm literally waiting to put money into my FanDuel account until football season starts. <laughs> and then just, just sit kiss there, it all, just like, kiss it all goodbye. Yeah, it's all gone. I usually I can make like I could put fifty dollars in and making like five and ten dollar bets. I can actually make that last. Hopefully the whole season. I did that last year, I think with a hundred bucks and then by maybe a month into baseball season, it was all gone, but you know, it made for, you know, betting every weekend. I had just a little money to play with every time made it at, you know, some added incentive when I was watching the games. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I mean, that's why I love fantasy so much because you care about the, the rest of the league. And yeah. I mean, fantasy baseball isn't as big, but that's why I'll always play because I care about the, the rest of the league and the players and keep up to date with what's going on. So I highly encourage uh, betting. We're a pro. We need to pair with someone. Bet MGM. It seems like the logical <laughs> choice. Bet MGM and Half Street High Heat. I'll then you can only them. bet on their app. So make sure you choose wisely. This is true. Maybe we need to have a bidding war between <laughs> All right, so betting sites. Our- our next interview with Matt is going to be a meet and greet at Nats Park. So if you guys are there and work for a gambling company, come talk to us. That's how it's going to work out. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Has the sports book <laughs> opened yet at Nats Park? Is it officially open? I thought that was next year. It might be next year. Could be wrong. So I know the one at Capital One <laughs> Arena is open now. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think it is next year because, I, I mean, I haven't heard anything, so I assume – yeah, I think we would have heard something, especially Matt. I mean, you, this is kind of your job. You should be telling us. Yeah, you know, I, I should know that. <laughs> <laughs> Been worrying too much correcting people when they say rebuild. So, you know, it's a retool uh, every time. That's that's what I've been focused on. Yeah, See, priorities. we had that we we had that like kind of uh, hesitancy on our show, like a retool, rebuild. What I just call it a rebuild. It, we're rebuilding. It's not quite to the extent like obviously the Orioles or the Tigers or like what the Astros went through prior to, you know, the, their core being established. But it's fine saying rebuild. It doesn't have to be like a dirty word. I feel like they're rebuilding, but it's not a rebuild because I That's feel like fine. There's, there's a different connotation to the two things. I think mm-hmm. a rebuild is more strictly kind of defined as like we're tearing down to the studs uh, gonna, you know, go in and lose for a few years 
and, and do this the long way. Whereas rebuilding is just the act of building up your team. So I think those things are a little different. At least I mean, as, well, as somebody who has to put things like that into words all the time, I, I was going to find say, a way to different. Look at Mr. Semantics over here. Like, geez. <laughs> I got to, you know, otherwise I'm just going <laughs> to yeah, be contradicting yeah, myself. Uh, the time. I also guess that's literally your job too. So, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So diving on in it after the rebuild retool conversation, um, the Nats don't win a lot of games anymore, which is great, but there are still a lot of things to talk about. One of them being was that um, a bunch of managers, scouts, and executives, they voted on baseball's best talents a lot of them are asked questions about different tools once so that was voted on by nl execs managers um the best hitter the best strike zone judgment but another national made the list victor robles was voted the best defensive center fielder in the national league so he's kind of getting some recognition but he doesn't play like lane thomas has been getting a lot of the work in center field right now um they got him for john lester he's been playing pretty well do you think we are seeing a organizational shift with putting victor robles out and lane thomas you know basically replacing him or the nash is riding the the hot hand with thomas so i think that to to start off the, the important thing to note here is that robles has been feeling under the weather over the past week so over the weekend he was experiencing flu like symptoms wasn't feeling good enough to play. So that was kind of the reason that Lane Thomas was playing center field in the first place, because he was actually kind of more billed as a corner outfielder. And he was, he made some spot starts for Yadiel Hernandez, uh, you know, early on after the trade deadline, once he had been called up. So he got uh, some chances there, but when Robles got sick, that was kind of an opportunity for Davey to then see how he did in center field. And now I think what we're looking at with the nationals is a situation where, if a player goes out and, and has a really big day, you know, goes three for four, makes a diving catch in the outfield, steals a base, throws out a guy. These are things that Lane Thomas has done all of these things. Uh, you know, if a player has a big game, Davey rewards them with playing again the next day. I think we've seen that a lot with Riley Adams, uh, where he's had, you know, a couple of good games. And all of a sudden, even though it might be Trace Pereira's turn in that catching tandem, uh, we see Adams back out there again, simply because, you know, he's building off of that two for four with a home run game. And, you know, Davey wants to see him try and carry that momentum over because if he just keeps doing it, you know, you basically are going to be looking for a reason to try somebody else out because, uh, you know, if you go for four, like Lane Thomas did in his last appearance, okay, now that kind of gives us a segue here. Let's give Lane the day off. We'll get Robus back in the lineup. So uh, to answer your question, though, is this, uh, you know, a situation where the Nats are moving away from Robus? I think absolutely yes. Uh, we are seeing the Nationals entertaining the idea of Victor Robles not being the everyday center fielder uh, beyond this season. I mean, if you look just at the five tools, you talk about his defense, right? His defense, he's been uh, absolutely a, a gold glove caliber defender. Maybe he's not been as good as he was in 2019, uh, where I don't think he's going to end up winning it this year. Whereas in 2019, I think he was absolutely robbed uh, that they gave it to Lorenzo Kane over him. Every metric pointed to Robles being the best defensive center fielder uh, in the National League that year. He obviously did not get it. I don't think he's going to get it this year. I don't think the numbers necessarily merit it, but his defense has been fantastic. And his arm is among the better arms uh, in the national league in terms of center fielder. So those two tools right there uh, give you a lot of hope that he can be some part of the nationals plans moving forward. But the other three tools uh, you have his hitting and you have his power. We've seen pretty much neither from him all season. They've tried him out at lead off. They tried him out in ninth in the batting order. They've tried him out you know, sixth, seventh in the batting order to get time to take some pressure off and get him away from the bigger bats. Uh, and, and sometimes he'll go through stretches. I think he's, he's hit pretty well, uh, you know, in the past couple of weeks uh, relative to how he'd been hitting all year. But the, the fact of the matter is, is he's hovering around 200. Uh, you know, he's maybe has two home runs on the season all year. Uh, and, and he really just hasn't shown the consistency that makes you think that you can rely on him as an everyday position player uh, from a hitting standpoint. And that fifth tool, is base running, which Robles is, is still got the speed. He's the fourth or third fastest player on the team right now, uh, only behind Andrew Stevenson and Lane Thomas uh, in terms of average sprint speed. He's about 28 feet per second, which is really, really good. Uh, but he hasn't been a great base runner. Uh, you know, he's been thrown out a, a good chunk of times trying to steal. He's made some base running errors in critical moments uh, throughout the season. Uh, I've had multiple conversations with Davey. 
uh, where he's after a game where he said, you know, I'm going to have to sit down with, with Victor tomorrow and talk about why that was the wrong decision. That's happened more than once this year, and it really hasn't necessarily gotten better, where he's still kind of making the mistakes uh, that, you know, he is a 23-year-old player, uh, but at the end of the day, he's, you know, in his basically his third full season at the major league level. Obviously, 2020 was, was truncated because of the pandemic, but, uh, you know, this is, a, for a third-year player, these are mistakes you don't want to be seeing. So we only really are seeing Victor, who was billed as a five-tool player back in the minor leagues, performing in two of the five tools to the point where, you know, I, I think the nationals now have to be serious with themselves and say, look, we're, we're retooling, rebuilding, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and right now we need to decide who is going to be part of our next championship core, our next core that takes us to the playoffs is Robo's going to be that guy. I, I don't think that he's shown enough uh, to this point where the nationals can feel comfortable saying, yes, he absolutely will. I, so I was going to take this into something else you brought up, but now I'm very much in, interested on the whole Robles situation because obviously I, I've been a, a proponent of the Victor Robles as being overhyped or overvalued, however you want to put it, uh, especially when you think back of what could have been him being an untouchable piece in some of the proposed deals over the years. And I said it on one of our roundtables last week, obviously, if you win the World Series, you can't complain too much. But now that here we are still having to make this decision, you, you can't help but bring up what could have been or what should have been or, or whatever. Um, how, how long do you think the Nats leash on Victor Robles is? Because obviously we're, we're allowed more time with the state of the Nats and obviously kind of punting on this year and looking towards the future, let any young guys play. And obviously you're, you're allowed more time to let Victor Robles kind of hopefully grow and, and, you know, turn things around to be the potential that we all hoped he would realize at, at some point, but how long realistically do you think they uh, give him before they just move on completely? Cause this team definitely is trying to compete again sooner rather than later. You know, I think it really comes down to when competition is going to push him for that spot. You know, up until this point, up until Lane Thomas was acquired at the trade deadline, who was really pushing Victor Robles for playing time in center field? I mean, Andrew Stevenson has had, uh, from a hitting standpoint, a a pretty terrible year. uh, And they even tried platooning him with Robles at one point uh, for a a good two, three weeks. Uh, Maybe not a straight up platoon, but at least getting Robles out of the lineup against right-handers a little bit more, uh, getting, you know, Stevenson some more at-bats in those situations, um, and, and then maybe doing some defensive replacement type stuff later on. But, uh, you know, the fact that they were willing to do that with Robles, I think, was pretty telling. Uh, and now that Lane Thomas has kind of emerged, I think it's still too small of a sample size to make any kind of grand declarations uh, about where his career is heading or, or what the Nationals uh, might be able to use with him in the future. Uh, But this is tryouts, you know, the last since the trade deadline and these last five weeks here, these are tryouts for young players. And and Robles is a young player who uh, absolutely has shown the potential to to be a star at this level, to be an everyday player at this level. But he hasn't done it. And here we are seeing Lane Thomas getting off to this really hot start with the Nats. And and who would Davey Martinez be to not give him the opportunity uh, to try and go out there and, and get consistent at bats and see what this guy can do? I mean. Like I said, he's actually faster than Robles, uh, which I was pretty surprised to see. But Martinez says he was not. He, he saw Thomas back in spring training and knew he had the speed. That's something that's always stood out to him as a, a player from afar up until now, now that he's in, within the organization. So uh, the, the Nationals are, you know, they, they acquired these guys not to sit behind other players. They acquired them to see if they are players that they can build around, players that they can uh, ride to the occasion with in, in future seasons and, and make the playoffs. If Lane Thomas is showing more promise than Robles, then I fully expect Thomas to cut into Robles' playing time. And, and that's only talking about this season. You know, we get into next year, you know, the Nationals might go out and acquire another outfielder, uh, you know, maybe to push uh, Robles for playing time. Uh, you know, somebody who might be a little bit on the younger side who, who might be able to help contribute you know he might not be a bona fide starter somebody who you know we're, we're pushing robo straight to the bench but i would imagine that spring training next year we're going to see some kind of competition uh with robles and, and, and thomas and somebody else uh for that starting center field job because robles has had his opportunities i mean 
we just haven't seen the, the, the progress that the Nationals have really been hoping for, and I think the team has finally come around on that. I love that point you bring up, uh, kind of turning our – obviously, with the state of the Nats, we're all kind of turning our eye to the next time we're hypothetically going to be contenders again and whatnot, and we're looking to the offseason on who we can bring in. But uh, you bringing up spring training and, and potential camp battles is awesome because – uh, that's one thing I really wanted them, and I'm not alone, but wanted them to do with Carter Keyboom this year where they didn't really bring in anybody, and then you had this awkward situation at third base and, to an extent, second base uh, at the start of the year where everyone expected it to be Keyboom because he had literally no competition, but then you have guys not necessarily playing out of position, but not the positions you thought you would have them in um, because Carter wasn't ready. Um, but going towards spring training obviously everything can change with the offseason who they bring in and then who develops is there a kind of a dark horse candidate uh you see to maybe not start but play a, a big role in the team next year when they are trying to be competitive because right now obviously you talked about lane thomas the catching battle is going to be fascinating to watch is there a, a guy an arm a position player someone we've seen someone we haven't seen that you really think has a good shot to really be a household name on the team next year? Yeah, you know, it's tough because where the Nationals organization is right now, uh, you know, they've got the top prospects now. You know, they have Kibear Ruiz, Josiah Gray, Cade Cavalli, and, and Brady House, four top 100 prospects, but from MLB Pipeline. Uh, and yet the organization is still only ranked the 20th farm system in baseball. And that's because beyond those big guys, beyond those top names, they really don't have a lot of depth, particularly at the higher levels. You know, they've, they acquired some guys uh, who, who, you know, have kind of filled in a little bit. Uh, but that double A, triple A level, aside from the big names, there really aren't a ton of players uh, that are really standing out to me. But I will say that the, the Scherzer Turner return is already starting to reap the benefits. You know, we, we've, we're talking about Josiah Gray all the time, and he's been awesome uh, at the major league level. We Kibir Ruiz, who's just absolutely tearing it up in Rochester right now. He leads all AAA catchers and home runs this season. Uh, I expect him to be the Nats pretty much everyday catcher next year. Uh, but the other two guys acquired in that trade, Donovan Casey, an outfielder, and Gerardo Carrillo, a uh, starting pitcher, both guys are, are up in AAA right now. Uh, Casey actually reported to AA, needed just 12 games, and then was promoted uh, up to Rochester, and, and Carrillo uh, reported there immediately. Both those guys have been – I'd say Carrillo has had some issues with his command so far, uh, but he's still pumping a, you know, 98, 99 miles an hour. Casey's been hitting really, really well, uh, showing a little bit of power, some speed. I would expect that Casey is a guy who you know, could be – I definitely expect him to be in spring training next year. Uh, and I would be really interested to see if the nationals are, are willing to put him in that competition uh, with Lane Thomas, with Victor Robles to see, you know, who who's, and maybe even throw Andrew Stevenson in there, you know, who's going to be on that, that bench, who's going to be uh, up in the major leagues to begin next year, because, you know, obviously there's only one spot uh, and, you know, you want you know, your top guys to play every day, but uh, at a certain point, you know, you want to see these guys at the major league level, uh, you know, maybe we, we see an outfield where, you know, Lane Thomas ends up uh, as a starting center fielder. Victor Robles is, is the defensive replacement and Donovan Casey getting every day at bats in triple A, uh, you know, waiting in the wing. Or maybe it's Casey up in the major leagues and, and they decide to send Lane Thomas back down uh, because he cools off in the hitting department. Uh, Casey is a guy who can play all three outfield positions, probably profiles as a bit better of a defender uh, uh, than, than Lane Thomas does, but doesn't have necessarily that speed uh, that, that Thomas boasts. So. Uh, I think that Carrillo uh, could push for a rotation spot next year. Um, it depends on what veterans they bring in in free agency. I absolutely expect the, the Nats to be a team that, that requires a couple of guys on one-year deals, you know, guys that can flip at the trade deadline, uh, you know, if, if they don't manage to contend next year, uh, which obviously is, is kind of the expectation for them. Um, but, you know, I would expect them to at least go out and get another arm. Uh, you know, Joe Ross, is, his future is kind of up in the air right now because he's a non-tender candidate having been shut down for the rest of the year with a partially torn UCL. Uh, I would imagine that the Nats probably non-tender him and then try to bring him back on a cheaper deal, but it, we'll see if he's even open to that idea. So uh, I would say those are two names to watch out for. I'd also tweeted this out. I think it was yesterday, uh, but I think that with the DH likely coming to the national league, I would not be surprised if the nationals uh, begin next season with three catchers on their 26 man roster and Ruiz, 
Riley Adams and Trace Pereira and, and have, you know, which one of those catchers DHing uh, on a regular basis, if not, you know, switching off with each other, giving Yadiel Hernandez a day off, you know, in left field, that kind of thing. Um, I, I would imagine that if the bats play, they're going to find a way to give them playing time. Yeah, I was I was going to ask you because I saw that tweet about Me the too. three catchers. I liked it. Yeah, I mean, because it's it's pretty obvious Kibe Ruiz is going to be this team's catcher. Um, he's MLB ready. He's tearing it up in AAA, but he's getting familiar with Kay Cavalli and catching with him. And the teams already talked about how they want him to get familiar with Josiah Gray. So it's pretty obvious, like, he's going to be this team's starting catcher. And I was wondering about the backup catchers because Riley Adams and Trace Barrera are hitting. Um, I wouldn't like three catchers on the roster, but then at the same time, it doesn't really matter because the team's probably not going to be competing next year anyways. Um, but how likely would you put it at where this team does have all three of them up next year? I mean, right now, I would just say all options are on the table. You know, the, the Nationals, especially where they are right now, are not in the business of making calls about, you know, their 26-man roster in 2022. They're they're really giving anybody who is showing promise an opportunity to prove they can stick around at the major league level. And we are seeing Adams do that. We are seeing Trace Pereira do that. And obviously with, with the pedigree uh, that Ruiz has and, and how badly the nationals wanted him uh, at the trade deadline to the point where they were willing to trade Trey Turner uh, in addition to Scherzer, who was already on his way out, you know, that right there, I think is evidence enough that, you know, they want, they like all three of these guys. They, they like the potential that they have. And, and, you know, yes, you can say, okay, Ruiz is down uh, in AAA to work with Cavalli and get used to the organization and, you know, get settled, all that kind of stuff. But uh, you know, is it really because you want to see Riley Adams in Trace Pereira? I think so. I think because they actually do see, while they might not believe that, you know, either of those guys are going to be their everyday catcher, uh, you know, moving forward, they, they like their bats. They're seeing, a lot of positive production out of these guys. And, and the more they see of them, the more confident they can feel in finding a role for the two of them next year. Because right now I wouldn't say either of them has really stood out from the other uh, in terms of, you know, proving that they belong. I, you know, this is probably a battle that's going to come all the way down to the last week of spring training next year. So uh, if the nationals can find a way to, to keep both in the majors, I absolutely expect them to do it. Yeah. I mean, hitting wins. And I like that wouldn't be, the worst thing in the world, but switching gears to the pitching side, the Nats have a pretty, pretty big issue in the hands of Patrick Corbin. He's seven and 13 with a 6.09 ERA this year. He has a one four whip. He's given up 22 earned runs. Yeah. 22 earned runs in the month of August. He gave up 21 earned runs in July. It's two, one step forward, three steps back with him. You know, he pitched really great against Milwaukee, only gave up one run, and then he faces a bad, bad Marlins team, and he gets shelled, giving up six runs. What do the Nats do with Patrick Corbin? Do you think, and I saw this on Twitter, someone talking about it, do you think a situation where Patrick Corbin goes down to the minors to try to figure out whatever the hell it is that's wrong? Because this team has a lot of money in him, and right now he's a massive, massive liability. And with the minor season going all the way to the end of season, do you think that's something that could potentially happen with Patrick Corbin? Yeah, I don't think he'll be able to be sent down to the minors. I believe, according to roster resource, he is not listed as having any options. Uh, not that he has zero options. It's listed as NA, which tells me that he's exceeded the veteran service time threshold where he can decline uh, a minor league option at this point of his career. Uh, so I, I think the Nationals are going to roll with him. I mean, you're paying the guy no matter what, whether he's in the minors, whether he's in the majors, or whether you release him, you're going to be paying him. Uh, and so you might as well, if you're not going to be winning, put him, leave him up at the major league level uh, and let him, you know, try to figure things out. It's not like he's blocking anybody. You know, obviously, you know, the Nats are, are starting Sean Nolan next week, uh, you know, or this weekend or whatever, you know, against the Mets. This is this is a situation where they're scrambling for, for starters at this point. They're not really, you're not really in a position where they can afford to, to take Patrick Corbin out of the rotation. So uh, I would expect him to start the next season uh, in the rotation. Uh, and then they kind of go from there. And if he still doesn't figure things out, I think that's when you start talking about changing things up for him. And, and by that, I would assume that would mean moving him to the bullpen, uh, which would allow him to add a couple ticks of velocity uh, onto his fastball not that his velocity has really been the problem the real problem uh to me has been the spin rate particularly on his slider 
uh, his slider, which he gave up two home runs on the slider last night to bring his total home runs allowed on the season with that pitch to 11 tied for the MLB league for the most uh, home runs allowed on the slider this season, which is such a stark difference uh, from 2019 when, when we saw Corbin have one of the best sliders in all of baseball. That's when the national signed him. That was what, what was boasted about him was, you know, he has this elite slider, the best slider from any lefty. Uh, and, and it's going to be baffling pitchers for years to come, even if the velocity declines. And that was the kind of thinking uh, with him signing a six-year deal was, you know, he just has such nasty movement on the pitch that it can still be an out pitch for him, even as his velocity declines and he, as he gets into his 30s. The velocity is still there, but what we are seeing decline is the spin rate. If you look uh, at StatCast, back in 2018, the spin rate on the, on the slider was basically 2,400 RPMs. Uh, revolutions per minute you move to 2019 it was a little bit better but still just under 2400 rpms then you go to 2020 it was 2200 rpms this year 2200 rpms so that's a whole 200 revolutions per minute that he's lost on that slider and uh you know we we heard ryan zimmerman talk about how you know he was abused that's his words not mine uh in the 2019 playoffs uh you know being used out of the bullpen starting on short rest uh, you know, opening up playoff series because Scherzer and Strasburg were both used in the wild card game. Uh, and and we, we now have gotten to the point where it's two years later and that's still being talked about. I, I think that's kind of grasping at straws, especially considering the velocity is still there. I think that he, he really needs to figure out how to get that that movement back on his slider to, to make it more of an out pitch where it's not flattening out and predictable for the opposing hitter. Yeah, I mean, I can appreciate Ryan Zimmerman trying to stick up for his teammate um, and, you know, stick with him through tough times and try to get the fan base to ease up on him. But I agree that that was a a little far-fetched for me, Uh, especially you can argue that both Scherzer and Strasburg, really, they had much more of a toll on their arms due to the uh, World Series run and the playoff run. Uh, than Corbin did just because of especially Strasburg adding I think it was 36 innings so roughly six extra starts and plus he was healthy that year so it's been a long time since Strauss has uh, pitched that much in the season and obviously we're, we're seeing some uh, effects of that with all of the the stuff he's can, been going through now and Max is a horse so he's kind of an anomaly in this whole situation but Patrick Corbin definitely is a liability um, but at the same time it's not just him struggling it's the whole team struggling uh, I, I want to shift this to talk about Davey Martinez because uh, obviously this has been a big change for him, not just the team. He's had to go from uh, being hired to get this team over the hump with the World Series. He won a World Series, so it's now, okay, how do we repeat or get back to it, obviously, after a, a weird 2020 season? All season long, he's been trying to keep the faith, stay with us, yada, yada, yada. Now we sell at the deadline and he has a whole new crew, especially young guys, which Davey being a first time manager, uh, not just with the Nats, but in general, it's a new situation for him. How is Davey adjusted to this new uh, Nats roster and what is he doing to keep morale high? Because uh, I can definitely sense that it lose. Obviously, these are professionals that hate losing, but you can sense that this is getting pretty frustrating for the players on the team, not just the individual performances, but the team performance as well. Yeah. I've tried to press Davey a little bit about this uh, because, you know, he he's, he's the guy who coined one to know every day. Right. And he believes in his team when they look like they're out of it because he saw them do it back in 2019 and believes it could be done again. And for the first couple of weeks after the trade deadline, we were still hearing from Davey, you know, crazier things have happened. And, you know, this team has fight, you know, we're going to surprise some people. You know, it, it, it got to the point where, you know, the losses were piling up so much that it felt like, how can you continue to say this? And I get that, you know, you, you want to continue to boost the morale uh, for a young team with, a, you know, a lot of players who are still trying to make their way uh, in the major leagues. But at a certain point, I felt like you have to you have to come to terms with where you're at. And I think that Davey has shifted his tone a little bit where he's not talking about going one to know every day where he's focusing on the individual performances and the fight that his players have. I mean, you know, we see time after time, the nationals haven't won a ton of games since the trade deadline, but they also haven't gotten blown out either. And we all often find that, you know, when the bullpen gives up a couple of runs, they fall, fall behind, you know, really early in the game, 
they claw their way back into it where the score ends up being, you know, somewhat respectable by the end. We saw it last night, uh, you know, with the Nats where they were down by four in the ninth and they, they score a couple uh, to make it a, a respectable seven to five score. I believe it was, when it was two runs. Yeah. Seven to five uh, against the Marlins there. And they had the, the go ahead run in the batter's box uh, when the, when the final out was made in lane Thomas. So uh, they, they did have, or sorry, Riley Adams. So they, they've had some fight, uh, which I think you have to give Davey some credit for, you know, for, for him to be able to convince these players to continue to, to go out there and, and try to put W's up on the board when, uh, you know, they're so far behind in the standings and they lack, you know, the star power that this team's had for years and years. You know, I think you got to give him some credit for that. Uh, you know, this is, this is a new, as you mentioned, this is a new territory for him. This is something that, you know, he's trying to figure out uh, as it goes. And uh, I think that as we continue to see more and more, uh, strong performances from these young players. Uh, I think you have to look at the coaching staff as a, as a big benefactor for that because, uh, you know, these guys who are out there, you know, they have every reason to give up on the season and, and figure that, okay, you know, we're, we're not going to make it, we're not going to contend this year. We're looking ahead toward next year, which is when I'm going to go out there and, and really make my case. No, these guys are, are trying to make their case now for sticking in the major leagues. And I think a lot of that comes back to the leadership at the top. Is, is Josh Bell kind of – is he a quiet or is he a vocal leader? Uh, I ask because obviously he was obviously with Pittsburgh, and we all know the city of the Pirates, and he was kind of a bright spot on a bad team. And not that the Nets are or will be as bad as the Pirates were, but uh, he's kind of one of the only guys that has been through something like this. We saw Juan Soto kind of – not panic, but he had some comments on being the guy now, like officially he kind of was already, but he had some comments on being the guy now, and it's a lot of pressure. So I was just curious if Josh Bell has kind of stepped up into a vocal leader role, not that he's uh, not a lead-by-example guy. Yeah, that's – I think the the latter is more his his territory, more the Ryan Zimmerman type. Uh, the, what I hear about Bell is that he's constantly working, uh, and that was especially prevalent early on. Uh, when he was batting 130 and, you know, still going out there every day and, and Davey talking about how he believed in him, you know, he was having long nights with Kevin Long, you know, staying after showing up early, uh, you know, kind of setting the example uh, in, in how he goes about his business. Uh, and it, it finally kind of came around for him. So I, I wouldn't say that he's a, the pound the table type uh, with, without having been in the clubhouse this year. You know, this is this is me talking to other people within the team. Uh, the, I would say that he's more of somebody who, you know, will sit down and talk hitting with you and, and really break things down and, and, and talk about it that way. But when it comes to rallying everybody, you know, he's not going to be on the top step, you know, yelling, uh, you know, encouraging uh, as much as maybe a guy like Gerardo Parra or, or even Juan Soto might be. Yeah. I mean, um, you mentioning about the shift with Davey and the shift with the team, Something that's kind of funny seeing how far the Nats have fallen. If you Google Nationals and hit news, the second article is about the United Kingdom's Nationals Ultimate Frisbee Tournament. Nice. So that's <laughs> that's kind of how things are kind of shifting everywhere for the Nats. But changing gears a little bit, the Nats do play the Mets this weekend. The Mets stink. They are in a complete, complete free fall right now. They basically have the same record as the Nats do in August. Um, do you think this is a series where the Mets, you know, get right and right to ship or do the Nats put one of the final nails in the coffin for the Mets and you see him potentially taking two or three? You know, the, the Nats pitching matchups don't necessarily, I'd say bode well for them to play spoiler, uh, in this series. But, you know, like you said, the Mets have been, uh, a pretty much a disaster, uh, for the better part of the last month we've seen. Uh, both them and the Phillies really just falling off the Braves pulling ahead in that NL East. So uh, they're, they're going to have an opportunity with guys like Paolo Espino and, and Sean Nolan starting this weekend, uh, you know, to put up some runs. Uh, this is an offense that has really struggled uh, and that's kind of been their Achilles heel this year has been the hitting, which is kind of hilarious for a team that, you know, signed Francisco Lindor, acquired James McCann, has Pete Alonzo, Michael Conforto, J uh, Jeff McNeil, you know, they've got some bats. Uh, but they really just haven't been able to perform with consistency. And I wouldn't say that the Nationals pitching staff is, is one that's equipped to, you know, continue uh, holding them back. So, uh, you know, if the, if the Mets are ever going to turn things around, you know, a, a series against the Nationals is uh, as good a, a, an opportunity as any for them. 
um, you know, considering that the Phillies have such a light schedule down the stretch and the, the uh, Braves are now, I think, five games ahead, four games ahead uh, in the division. You know, they really are running out of time to, to pick things up and turn it around. Uh, so, you know, for them, I think it starts right now, especially after you know, they're playing the Nationals after playing four straight series, uh, switching off between the Dodgers and the Giants. So for them, you know, this is anybody but the NOS uh, is going to be a godsend. So I, I would imagine the Mets are very happy uh, to be playing the Nationals this weekend. Before we get back to our interview with Matt Wyrick, we have to talk about Manscaped. Fellas, fantasy football draft season is upon us, and it's time you put the PP back in PPR League with the sponsors of today's show, Manscaped. The leaders in below-the-waist grooming just launched the new Performance Package 4.0. You don't want to neglect your balls like the Packers front office has been neglecting Aaron Rodgers. We all know that situation. Join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get ready for kickoff by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping using our promo code HSHH20. You will not regret it. You got to take care of all, all the stuff going on. You That way you're ready for kickoff, ready for your fantasy football draft. As we said, we are in the middle of draft season. You got to make sure you're good to go. The way you do that, you go to Manscaped, you use our promo code, it saves you some money, gets you ready. Your league, weight, league mates will be frightened how prepared you are and how groomed you are for your draft. So go to Manscaped, use our promo code HSHH20 today. Matt, the last question I have for you, I want to talk about something that's kind of been in the rumor mill a little bit, certainly been something uh, Nats fans have been talking about because he is the longest tenured member of the team, and that's Ryan Zimmerman. He's kind of said he doesn't want to go through another rebuild. He was obviously part of those teams that were just very, very bad. Uh, so I can't entirely blame him. What do you think he does? Does he kind of, I'm sure Grizzo will talk to him. Davey will talk to him and say, hey, we're not trying to go through a full-fledged rebuild. We're trying to be competitive. Maybe that sways him. But does Zim retire at the end of this year, you think, if they're not really looking to be or on paper going to be that competitive in 2022 or is he going to keep playing until the wheels fall off? I, if I had to predict right now, I would predict that Ryan Zimmerman is back for another year uh, simply because Josh Bell will be back another year and he'll have basically the opportunity to retain the exact same role uh, that he did. And, and like I said, I, I do think that the nationals are going to go out this off season and, and sign guys to a bunch of one-year deals uh, to the point where, you know, they're going to have some veterans on the team and some young players with some upside where, you know, you might not be convinced that the Nationals are going to go out and win the, the NL East or anything, but they're not going to be a hundred lost ball club. I, I don't think that that's what they're going to be doing. So I think if the Nats were to go and, and just pull an Orioles and, and not uh, really add anybody and, and just say, look, we're, we're going for a top five draft pick and that's all we, we really care about. I wouldn't expect Zimmerman to want to be part of that, but he has talked in the past about how he cares about career milestones and, and round numbers. Uh, and he's currently at uh, 282 career uh, home runs. Uh, I think that he really would like to get to 300. He was kind of denied that chance uh, with 2020, uh, him having to opt out uh, due to the health concerns and uh, now him coming back, being a part-time player, you know, 18 home runs. If he can hit maybe three more the rest of the year, and you can convince yourself you can hit another 15 home runs next year. Uh, I think Zimmerman absolutely tries to go for it and see, you know, if he can get it. He also has 958 career runs scored. You know, he could go for a thousand uh, conceivably though. He'd need to, to score runs at a more efficient rate than he has this season uh, if that were to happen. So I, I think that Zim probably comes back for one more year. You know, it'll be his age 37 season. So he's definitely at the end of the line here. Uh, but I, I would say that if the nationals at least, show that they want to be a respectable team that's going to hang in there in ball games and, and Zim can play a role uh, as a veteran leader. Cause you know, back when he was in a rebuild uh, he was the star, you know, he was the player that people were coming out to see. He's not that kind of player anymore. And he's now able to provide a different kind of value uh, for the nationals. And one that, you know, obviously I think he'll still be around the team even after he retires, but it's something only really a player that's in the clubhouse every day can provide. And uh, I'm sure the nationals see value in that. And, and, and would love to have him back for another year as, a, as that backup first baseman type. Cause also it's not like the nationals really have any first basemen uh, that are pushing to get in the major leagues. I know Jake Knoll 
has had a pretty solid season at AAA, but uh, you know, his, his ceiling is not considered to be everyday major league regular. Plus they already have Josh Bell in there. So I would imagine that that Zimmerman's back next year. So what I'm hearing is Ryan Zimmerman is the selfish uh, only cares (laughs) about individual accolades and accomplishments that everyone thought Bryce Harper was going to be, but turns out (laughs) it was really Ryan Zimmerman the whole time. Yes. Bryce, uh, obviously over in Philly, only caring about other people's accomplishments, never his own. (laughs) Well, that's also not really his fault because the Phillies front office is just terrible. It's like he can only care about his accomplishments because he's the only one on the team. And did you see Dombrowski like demoted a bunch of people in the front office saying that he doesn't want them part of the plan for next year to be <laughs> making decisions that impact next year, which oh is hilarious because it's still this year, you know, it's, <laughs> it's like Dombrowski's already looking ahead, you know, and, and obviously as a, as a guy in a front office, you should be looking ahead to future years, but for him to publicly say like, yeah, I'm just looking ahead to 2020 making decisions now, like, I mean, 2022. You know, that's looking just back like, a year. Yeah, he's just Chess like not oh, checkers. this team, this team uh, doesn't have it, I guess. I mean, that guy knows how to win. I, if I was the owner of the Phillies, I'd let him do whatever he wants. He will completely ruin their farm system, which sucks already, but he yeah. wins. Yeah, they so. need they need some more they need some more help to come up. They uh, need a lot of help, especially in that pitching. <laughs> I mean, they haven't developed. I guess Zach Eflin kind of counts, um, but Aaron Nola and Zach Eflin are really the only two starters they've been able to develop at all in the past ten years. So they, I think it was. 20... You could have made that argument for the Nats too. <laughs> oh no! Don't get me wrong. The Nats developed. Yeah, at least the Nats won. Like yeah. the Phillies haven't gone with like five hundred. Like um, I saw on Twitter. I think the Phillies had the number five farm system in twenty seventeen. And every single prospect of their top 10 prospects has been a complete bust, which is really impressive. Shout I'd out to Yuri and Moniac. The, the best one might be JP Crawford, who's in, who's in Seattle, not, not in Philadelphia. <laughs> oh, Lord. You're telling me JD Hammer or whatever the hell his name is wasn't Greatest an absolute lock to be a stud? <laughs> oh, great name, great hair, great glasses. He's got the look, he's got everything, but, but the, the talent. Fake until you make it, baby. Exactly. <laughs> look the part of a major leaguer. People might just just believe it. <laughs> That's why I look like Todd Coffee. <laughs> Coffee time. Um, you know, whenever we have you on, we like to end with a fun question. This isn't more of a fun question. This is 100% serious. The most important question in the history of questions. Who is your number one sleeper in this year's fantasy football drafts? Ooh, my number one sleeper. I have been targeting uh, – let's see here. I don't want to give away too much because I have a fancy draft with you guys coming up. But <laughs> I will say uh, – We don't my, need to steal your picks. Trust me. Right, we'll right, be right. just fine. It'll be fine. <laughs> uh, Marquez Callaway, who's not really a deep sleeper anymore because of that huge performance against the Jaguars the other day. Uh, but he is basically running away with the number one job uh, at wide receiver in New Orleans. I think that – the connection that he's already shown with Jameis Winston, who was unofficially named the starting QB today uh, for, for the saints. Uh, I love that connection. I love Jameis. I think that he's absolutely uh, going to be showing a new side of himself this year uh, in new Orleans with Sean Payton pulling the strings. So uh, I would, I would always try to invest in that offense. And, and I think that, you know, Traquan Smith and Traquan Smith and Deontay Harris have not really proven themselves to be, uh, viable number one receivers, whereas Callaway will make big time catches. So I like him a lot. Uh, I really like uh, Darnell Mooney uh, after, um, man, who was, who was traded? Uh, who did the wide receiver? They Anthony traded Miller. Away. Yes, they traded Anthony Miller. I think that really opens up a lot of opportunity for Mooney, which he's going to be working with Andy Dalton and he's kind of a burner. So I don't think Dalton is necessarily going to be, you know, he's not the airing it out type QB anymore. He never really was. Uh, he's um, the red rocket. Come on. Yeah. Well, come, I mean, a- AJ green made a lot of those throws. look better <laughs> than they were. Let's, let's just, let's just put it that way. Um, but I will say, I think that, that Mooney once fields is in there is, is his stock is going to jump tremendously. So I'm hopping on that train uh, while I can. Uh, and I want to give you guys one more. Um, I think that Eric Ebron is really getting slept on this year. He's been really steady. Uh, for the for Steelers. Guy he was in the league. I know <laughs> he's obviously on the older side and there's a lot of mouths to feed in that 
in that Steelers offense. But if you want to invest in the Steelers, I think the way to do it is with Ebron because uh, all three of those receivers right now, Juju, Deontay, uh, and Chase Claypool, all three of those guys have super high ADPs right now where you really don't know which of the three is going to really be the number one, which of the three is going to be the number three. And you could end up using a, a valuable fourth, fifth round pick on one of those receivers. Uh, and all of a sudden they end up being the third wide receiver uh, on the depth chart. And Eric Ebron is going to be taking away t- touchdowns from him uh, in, the, in the red zone. So uh, I like Ebron a lot. He had a good rapport with Ben Roethlisberger last year. I, I think that he's going to be a big target for them in the red zone. He might be a little bit more touchdown dependent, uh, than he has been in years past. But I think that the Steelers are going to score a lot of points. So uh, that probably shouldn't be too much of an issue. This is why I love having you on the show because <laughs> anyone else would not have answered that question seriously. I know. Not only did you answer it seriously, you gave us three <laughs> options. But secondly, you're a complete idiot for giving away three of your sleepers. That's right. Well, <laughs> this mean, is the thing. You're, I, you're not a real fantasy football owner if you're just giving away your secrets. Those right? are just fake ones. Exactly. I'm actually lying to you guys. No, I, I'm... The worst thing is I'm in five fantasy leagues um, and I have, I remember my guys. first year playing. Oh, I know, dude. It's just, <laughs> uh, it's, it's the problem is three of them are dynasty. Okay. So three, okay. I'm just locked into every year and I have to do at least one redraft league. And then there was the Nats Twitter league that I saw pop up and I'm like, you know what? I want to, I want to, I want to lose some become, more, become a man of the people a little bit, you know, join the Nats Twitter league. So I decided to do five this year, but I have all three of those guys on other teams and I try not to invest uh, too much uh, in um, the same players. So you guys aren't in the top three picks, right? In our draft. I don't know if you know those. I haven't even looked. Uh, I'm the, I think I'm, I'm the 11th. Pick. I'm the I got fourth screwed. Pick. I think you both are behind me. If I'm, if I'm correct. And I'll, I'll tell you right not in now, the standings. Well, for now, (laughs) (laughs) I will tell you, I have the fourth pick, which probably means that Alvin Kamara will fall to me, but I already have him in two leagues and I'm really afraid to take him in another. So I may have to pass an Alvin Kamara, which is really going to hurt my soul. You're such a fake saint. saint. (laughs) Even though his jersey's literally hanging up 10 feet from me. You're an Aints fan. An Aints fan. Yeah. See Um, what I did there? Exactly. (laughs) I have a, a buddy who's a Falcons fan and he, always calls them aints. I think he just doesn't actually realize there's an S at the front. <laughs> I mean, Falcons fans have literally no room to talk. So that's, this that's, is true. A, that's a tough life. He, he's a Falcons <laughs> and a Braves fan. So it, uh, our two teams just always are, are, cl- are clashing. And of course, neither has won uh, a, a championship since the nineties, which the Falcons obviously haven't done it at all, but uh, I love to, I love to rub that in. <laughs> I mean, things are always better when you're not, in the land of sports fans. So. <laughs> <laughs> this is big facts. Hey, they got uh, Atlanta United won it like two years ago, all right? <laughs> Anyways. Uh, uh, Atlanta, <laughs> I couldn't even tell you what sport that was. Atlanta <laughs> FC? It's MLS. Oh, okay. I, think, I, think they're, I think they're Atlanta FC. Yeah, I might have gotten that wrong. Yeah. yeah there's two, I mean, I don't so watch soccer. So. Half the names have the same like two words in them, so it's like hard to hard to keep track. It's like club, I just started United, Ted Lasso. Or, Oh, I keep so, hearing about that. I need to watch. That's it. as much soccer as I can handle. Yeah, I, I'm with you guys. It's it's the most boring sport of all time. <laughs> no, <laughs> I agree, Monty. If Monty you, is listening to this, I agree. <laughs> Blake Finney is trying hard to come for that best friend yep. of the pod, and he is uh, not going to like that. <laughs> <laughs> the rivalry continues. The rivalry is renewed. <laughs> well, Matt, it's always been a it's always a pleasure talking with you. We're gonna. We're going to have that live meet and greet from Nats Park, not over ketchup, just a regular meet oh, and God. greet. Um, <laughs> thank you as always coming on. And that's all we have for today's episode on Half Street High Heat, brought to you in part by Manscaped. Make sure you guys head on over to our T Public site. Go to tpublic.com and search Half Street High Heat for all of our latest swag. You guys can once again follow Matt on Twitter at by Matt Wyrick. And make sure you head on over to ABC Sports Washington for all of his latest pieces. And make sure you guys keep up with everything Half Street High Heat by checking out our Twitter at Half ST High Heat. See you guys next week. Thanks, Matt. Thank you. There's a new breeze blowing off the banks of the Potomac. A new team's mowing down the ranks of their opponents. The Nationals are smashing balls so that the commentator who has the cause has passed the wall to see you later. Let's go, Nats. We've got a game.
Dawn, well, you can see they're running scared Cause the kinds of bombs we're launching are bursting in the air Tell the Library of Congress that they might not want to look Cause we're putting curly W's in every book Let's go Nats We've got a game to play We're gonna win today Let's go Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. Clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.